Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Before we get to the show today, just a quick and friendly reminder that if you would like to hear more episodes of Signs from the Other Side, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, maybe also tell a friend. Thank you so much for listening and on to the show. Today is a very special bonus episode with my friend, Myra Rayanne. You can hear her stories of signs she's received in the episode called Myra Rayanne and the Many Different Aspects of Grief. And you can hear us review the movie Astral City under bonus episodes. Myra Rayanne was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and spent her childhood and formative years in Miami, Grand Cayman, London, and New Orleans. She received her bachelor's in creative writing from Florida State University. She now lives in Atlanta, where she is a spiritual speaker, mental health advocate, and the author of two memoirs, including Beyond These Green Eyes, which we are discussing today. Hi, Myra. Hi, Fern. How's it going? Good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to talk to you once again. Thank you. And thank you for writing this book because you get so deep and so personal. How would you describe kind of Beyond These Green Eyes? Yeah, sure. So Beyond These Green Eyes is a compilation memoir and it consists of different personal narratives, uh, stories, a little bit of poetry as well. So I tend to say if you think of the book Chicken Soup for the Soul, which was so popular years ago, Mm -hmm. and you could just open that book and read a chapter and read a story. So it's the same format. It just gives you a tiny glimpse into different events and different experiences I've, I've had in my life. So it won't give you the full story of every single experience, but it'll give you a tiny glimpse. So you can have an idea of just what shaped me into being who I am today. I feel like there's snapshots from different experiences in your life. And I think a lot of people who read them will feel so comforted. I think a lot of people will say, you know, like something like that also happened to me and it's comforting to see I wasn't the only one and to see someone put it into words. So it's really wonderful. I don't want to give too much away, but I'd love to talk about, you know, some of the essays and where you were when you were writing them and and where you are now reflecting on them. One of them that really is really got me is called Growing Up Tormented, where you talk about life Mm -hmm. with your mom and a bit about her life with her mom. And it's kind of a companion essay, as I see it, to the next one called Every Time, which you wrote as a senior in college in a writing workshop. Can you talk about those and what it took to write them? Yeah. So just a little bit of a background between me and my mother. Uh, I love my mother to pieces. Uh, But the truth is, growing up, we didn't have your typical mother-daughter relationship that you hear about most young girls have with their moms. I never had that. And so we were constantly in a state of conflict, constantly in a state of uh, war of words with each other. And so I struggled to always see my mother eye to eye growing up. But what was interesting is that as I got older, though, I started to unravel little bits and pieces of my mom, and I started to discover that she also had a rough childhood, and there was this abusive cycle that was ongoing in the family. So Mm -hmm. my mother was the oldest of three girls in her family, and she endured quite a bit of abuse from my grandmother. And then that kind of, I guess, trickled down to me, and my mom and I didn't have a good relationship. But 
Growing Up Tormented is an essay that kind of allowed me to have a different perspective about my mom, to see mm -hmm. my mom as she she's a human being too. She had her own pains, her own struggles. And uh, one of my favorite quotes, it's actually a lyric from a Madonna song called Oh Father. And there's a lyric in that song where she says, you didn't mean to be cruel. Somebody mm -hmm hurt you too. I remember the first time I heard that lyric, it just changed everything for me. It just changed my perspective on so many things. And I think I have that line in my every time essay, which I wrote in college. So it's just I about that journey it. and seeing things in a different perspective as to mm -hmm. then seeing my mother as a human, as a human being and somebody who would, who was, who was made up of broken pieces, just like the rest of us. And I and I don't get this sense that you're um, that you're jealous of people who have a good relationship with your mother. Like you accept that that was your relationship, and you accept who she was, and you still love her and under and try, which is the most loving thing to do, to understand her and where she came from. And it's really beautiful, and it's really thank you, inspiring. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I think it just. I just reached a point in my life where experiencing so many different hardships and tragedies where I wasn't able to see things from a different point of view. And I recognize there's no point in holding on to bitterness. And it's so important to try to have a foundation of forgiveness in your life, because if not, you're not going to be able to live freely and happily and peacefully. And there's another essay called How I Came to Forgive. And I love the way you describe how you wrote it and how you you basically kicked your boyfriend out of his bedroom and was like, I just, <laughs> yeah. need, to, I just need to let this all out. Can you describe that? Yeah, so that moment, uh, yeah, so that happened at a many years ago at a, a boyfriend's house. And he had, he had left the room and I just, something came over me that day, something came over me and I just started praying and I just started writing and getting things out of my system. And it was just a transformational moment. It's kind of hard to describe, but it was this moment where I felt like, okay, it's time to release. It's time to let go. And my way of releasing, my way of letting go was writing it all out, was praying about it. And then that was when I was able to truly just let it go and forgive just all these, all these complicated things that me and my mother had gone through over so many years. I, I realized I don't want to hold on to this anymore. Mm -hmm. It's becoming poison for me. And it's, it's creating this heavy load on my shoulders that I don't want to carry anymore. And I don't want my mother to have to carry it either. Mm -hmm. And it was just this powerful moment where I was just alone in his room. And it was just me with my thoughts, with my words and with my prayers. And it was a spiritual moment that just came over me. And at that point, your mom's mom had passed, right? Because I think yes, was that the essay where you, you said you, you prayed to her. And it's interesting because yes. I always say you can have a different relationship with someone than you have you know, sometimes you can have a better relationship with someone after they pass. And it's interesting that she, she was not, um, she was abusive to your mother, but she was on the but other not to side me. now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was, that's, that's, what's interesting too. Like she was, ne uh, she was never abusive to me. Right. Uh, my grandmother, uh, I mean, adored me. I adored her to pieces, my maternal grandmother. 
and she treated me like I was her princess. So it's interesting how that can work too. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that you didn't then kind of turn on her when you knew how she treated your mother, because that could it wouldn't be far fetched to think that that would be that that you could have felt that way, but that you but you reached out to her in your prayers to say, help us. You're, you know, no matter how she treated your mother on earth, she, that baggage was released when she got to the other side and it could be a better relationship for all three of you with her on the other side. And that you, that you thought to reach out to her, I thought was interesting. Yeah. Always uh, yeah it was about really just ending that cycle and, yeah. And you bring up a good point. Like I did not turn on my grandmother. And I think the reason is I never saw it for firsthand. These were stories mm-hmm. I heard about my mother's upbringing. I never saw firsthand uh, my grandmother when she was alive, disrespecting my mom mm-hmm. as an adult. But I did notice growing up, I noticed like my mother never really liked to be around my grandmother too much or would kind of distance herself whenever we would go to Brazil to visit and yeah so when i prayed to my grandmother it was really just being mindful of i want to end this cycle Mm -hmm. and we're all women we're all part of the same family we're all in this journey somehow together and it's time that this ends it's time that we unite it's time that we support each other and find healing in one another yes did you hear the stories of the about your mother being mistreated by your grandmother from someone other than your mother from your aunts the two aunts yeah exactly mainly from my aunts yeah my mother wasn't unlike my dad my dad was an open book I Mm -hmm. talked to my dad about anything but my mother was very opposite of that Mm -hmm. Uh, my mother was very sheltered very reserved and if you tried to talk to her about something that happened in her life she would always respond with oh that that's in the past that was in the past and she wouldn't get into it but yeah so I mostly heard about it from my aunts who are her two sisters her two younger sisters do you recommend writing the story? Like, I, I feel like if something hurt you in the past, it's so easy to to sweep it out of your mind, but it's always there in the subconscious and it's still hurting you. I think just the act of admitting this happened, as painful as it is to relive for that moment, just to, to even say it, but even better to write it down and then maybe rip it up. But just to say that this happened, I think is does so much healing. Yeah, you said it. I mean, that's exactly it, Fern. We hear all the time, you know, in order to get to a place of healing, the first step is recognizing what's going on around you, you know, Mm -hmm. recognizing that there's something that's hurting you or you're holding on to some kind of a resentment or there's a deep pain. So it's definitely acknowledging it. Acknowledging it is the first step. And I guess one can say that's one of the reasons why I'm open about so many pieces of my life Mm -hmm. is because acknowledgement is the first step to then eventually hopefully get to a point of transformation and being able to turn over that new leaf. And so many people I think are ashamed to to say what happened, um, ashamed to say things that have happened in their past. But if you can own your story and not be ashamed of it anymore, you've won, like you've you've healed, I think. Yeah, it's about then you you reclaim the power in your life. Mm-hmm. I think yes. you reclaim that power in your life. And it's not something that happens overnight. I mean, even though I have this essay where I talk about 
when I came to forgive my mother, that was something that was kind of brewing over time. Mm -hmm. And then it just reached that point where I was able to release it all. But it certainly, it does not happen overnight. It takes time. But just like you said, I think there's something very freeing about owning your story. Do you believe in therapy? I certainly do. A hundred percent. I think we already live in a modern day and age where, you know, we can put to rest that notion of, oh, if you're going to therapy, that means something's wrong with you. Right. Not at all. Not, Not at, at all. all. I think we can finally put that to rest. I, I, I think it's safe to say that we all are already living in an era where we can recognize if you're going to therapy, it's not because something's wrong with you. It's because it's important as human beings to have an outlet, to have mm -hmm. somebody to talk to, you know, to be able to kind of look at your reality from a different perspective, to gather insight that you would otherwise not be able to get because you're so in your head. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, I, I support that 100% for anybody. I've been going to therapy since I was 11 years old mm -hmm. um, when my parents first got divorced and if it's something that you feel would help you a hundred percent I'm in support of it yeah we have to release the any stigma people go to the gym they go to therapy it's like another thing to keep you healthy we it is exactly it's another thing to keep you healthy because mm -hmm. I say it again and again and again we can't do this life journey alone we mm -hmm. just can't there's it's it's very hard to do this life journey alone. And it's important to get yourself plugged into the communities and the people that make you feel loved and supported and safe. Absolutely. We talk on this show too about everything happens for a reason, the way things line up, that in itself can be a sign from the other side. There's no coincidences. I really, speaking of your mom, I really loved our last earthly moments together. Um, especially the paragraph that begins, had it not been raining that night? Oh, yes. On page 81. Do you happen to have the book in front of you? If you can I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wrote that essay. I think it was a couple of days after my mother passed away. So it was very, everything was very fresh and vivid in my head. Can you read that paragraph? Sure. Let me go ahead and open it up. So this is the essay that's called Our Last Earthly Moments Together, and it was the day that my mother transitioned to the other side. So it reads, had it not been raining when the hospital called, Oceana would have left, and I would have received the news on my own. Had I driven to Broward Friday night, I would have never gotten the chance to see my mother one last time. Had I stayed in Miami on Saturday, the doctor would have made me come to the hospital and given me the terrible news there again, alone. The Lord was protecting me that day. He aligned everything behind the scenes to make sure that I was not only surrounded by a strong support system, but that I also had the opportunity to have a beautiful day with my mother and say, I love you one last time. Amazing. Isn't it amazing to think how everything happened so that you would be protected from getting the news on your own? Pr protected in it, so many ways. There are these moments in life where I really believe it's divine intervention and divine timing. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those days for me. I, I had the opportunity to, my mother, my mother passed away 
on that Saturday, and I had just been with her a few hours earlier at the hospital. I didn't think she was going to transition, and I left the hospital, and I said, I love you. Those were my last words to her, and she she transitioned a few hours later, and yeah, it was just amazing everything that happened that day. My best friend, Oceana, was with me when I got the news, and at that time, she was the only person I knew who had also lost her mother, the only one. Amazing. And she was with me the moment I received the news. So it was very powerful, a very powerful kind of day. And it's amazing that you had just lost your mom, which is so devastating. And it, and it was a shock because if someone's transferred from ICU to a regular room, you're like, oh, they're fine. And then to get the shocking news a few hours later, but that you were still, you still found things to be grateful for. Like, thank God I wasn't alone. Thank God I didn't drive to the hospital and get the news alone. Thank there was so much to be grateful for, and it's it speaks to your spirit and how and how resilient and how I hate to say positive because it's so overused, but that you were able to go there. Thank you. I think it just comes down to I really believe when it comes to spirituality. And as you and I so strongly believe with about our loved ones being with us in spirit, it really comes down to being able to pay attention. You mm-hmm. hear it all the time. Um, just pay attention to your surroundings because when you do, that's when you can really tap into these divine moments. And I, I just think it was a matter of me that day paying attention. And then all these small little blessings and miracles became clear to me, even though At the same time, I was going through the most devastating loss of my mother. I was still able to recognize like God was embracing me and holding me that day. I love that you said that. We're so often in our heads. It takes getting out of your head and and noticing the beauty around us in the, yes, the physical things and the things that have happened that that made it better. Yeah, it's about, I think it's like in the, my foreword, I believe I have, um, or my authors where I talk about being still Mm -hmm. uh, in the book. And so, yeah, it's about just being still and Mm -hmm. paying attention to what's around you because you can easily get lost. Another essay, which uh, I can relate to and I commend you for your restraint is called Halloween Night Betrayal. The fact that you, I say this as a spiritual person, the fact that you did not slash both of their tires, you (laughs) are a better woman than me. No, I've never done that, God forbid. (laughs) Like the Carrie Ender one song of slashing the tire next time he cheats or whatever. (laughs) But you, you came through it. But if you can talk a little bit about this, I, I will say also that I, I can relate that you that you you know on the floor just in a ball hysterical is for someone who's never been betrayed or hurt or wouldn't understand that well it's it's not being dramatic it's being in that much pain and the thing about betrayal is the betrayal is so blindsiding that it just it cuts it cuts deep in it in a different way but you you came through it i believe beautifully but if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. And thank you. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's completely blindsiding. This, this essay about the Halloween betrayal, when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is that experience was the first devastation I experienced as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I experienced my grief losses that everybody really knows about me, before all that, it was this betrayal. And uh, 
basically, so before I even share a little bit about that story, I do want to say all the names of this book have been changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did want to protect everybody's privacy, even Mm -hmm. though I I have a right to my truth and Mm -hmm. I have a right to own my story. All the names in this book have been changed. So I don't use any real names here. They're all fictitious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically the Halloween betrayal, long story short, I was in a relationship for six years coming out of my senior year of high school and going into college. And we were engaged for one period of time. And then when we broke up uh, six years later, I happened to discover that my ex-boyfriend slash fiance was dating my best friend at the time. And so when I found this out, it was, it was horrific. It was and that's what the Halloween Betrayal essay is about. And the reason it's titled Halloween Betrayal is because I found out they were dating on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. And it was just gut-wrenching. And I talk about in the essay how I was home and I happened to kind of put two and two together through social media. And that's mm-hmm. how I was able to discover this betrayal was going on. And for somebody who hasn't been through a betrayal, if you can imagine for one second listening to this, picture your significant other, whoever that person may be, imagine if you were to see a picture of your significant other arm in arm with your best friend. That visual mm-hmm. is just devastating. And so that's what the essay the essay is about learning about this betrayal and how I was suicidal that night, mm-hmm. and I was in hysterics. The screeching sound came out of me that's never come out of me before, and I was just beyond heartbroken, and the essay just goes into how I got through that night and learning about this betrayal. I had to call my father because I was home alone at the time, and my father was voting, and he had to come home and be with me, and it was just a devastating night. And everything I thought I could trust and count on mm-hmm. was just all of a sudden not real. Mm-hmm. And it was just, at this point, it felt like a complete lie to me. And the what formative years, you must have felt like I wasted those like... Yes, you feel like you wasted your years. And especially because, you know, when you spend six years with somebody, I mean, now it feels like a lifetime ago that this happened Mm -hmm. because it's been more than a decade ago that this happened. Mm -hmm. But when you're going through it and you spend six years with somebody, that's your identity. Your identity is wrapped up around this one person. Everything you know is wrapped up around this one person. And when this person is professing their love to you and you're talking about creating a future together and having a family together, and then all of that gets shattered and not just shattered, but it's not shattered by natural causes you know, through a natural loss of sort, but it's shattered through the intentional Mm -hmm. act of another human being. Exactly. So it makes that devastation even greater. What would you say to someone who's listening to this right now who is going through something like that? I would say, just as I say, with many different losses and heartache and tragedies in life, is be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. It's cliche, but this too shall pass. And when you're in the thick of it, you can't see it, but keep taking little baby steps. And as you take those baby steps, you will recognize your own Mm self-worth 
again mm-hmm. and you will reclaim your power mm-hmm. and just recognize that if you're experiencing betrayal right now, that is not a reflection of you. That is a reflection of those two other parties, of those people, exactly. of what they did to you. It is not a reflection of who you are. It is a reflection of their insecurities, mm-hmm. their issues. It has nothing to do with you. Exactly. You are a magnificent human being. Keep your head up. Take those baby steps, and you will get to a point where you can recognize your self-worth again, and you will be greater for it. I mean, now, 10 years out, I'm like, wow, I'm glad that happened when it did. Yeah. Then 20 years down the line. Exactly. You know, so it does, we hear things happen for a reason. And it does. And just know that this too shall pass and don't let go of your dignity and your self-worth. Don't slash tires. (laughs) Don't slash tires. (laughs) You can call up your friends and part of my language and bitch them out all you want. Go ahead and do that by Mm -hmm. all means. Release it. Go ahead and do that. But be the bigger person. Try to to be the bigger person. It's hard. Your future self though. will thank you. Your future self will thank you for maintaining dignity. And and I always say happiness is the best revenge. Just go live a great life. And when you're happy, it's the best revenge. And the irony is when you're happy, you you don't want revenge. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I hope he's no. fine. I don't really care. Uh, you do get to a point where you just don't care anymore. Because like, yeah. I have been asked time and time again, well, how could you go on with your life and how could you? And it's like, it's been more than 10 years. It feels right. like I've had, so if I thought that was the worst thing that was going to happen in my life, it was just like, I had no idea what was in store. That was right. not the worst thing that happened in my life. Right. And, but yes, right. absolutely. The best revenge is living well mm-hmm. and it is doing you. The best revenge is always doing you and still yeah. pursuing your dreams your passions, your goals, being good to others and doing things that fulfill you. That's the best revenge. And you went on to find other great loves. Readers will read about Rio and Declan, who is the subject of Georgia Haven, your other memoir. Do you believe that, I mean, this is such an obvious question, but I want to ask it. Do you believe people come into your life at certain times for certain reasons? I think I, know I do. I certainly do. So I, I talk about, so Rio was my relationship after Nay, who's the betrayal. And Rio and I were together off and on for five years. And it's actually funny that we bring, we bring him up because I just, we've maintained friendly contact. And Aww. he even reached out to me this week. was like, I had a dream about you the other night. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were in each other's lives at the right time. And then Declan, who is in Georgia Haven, Declan is what I refer to as that big love of my life. Mm-hmm. And and I do. I think they come in our lives at different points for certain reasons, whether it is for you to learn something, for them to learn something, or for both of you to to learn something. And just like that saying goes, people people come into your lives for a day, a season, or a mm-hmm. lifetime. I really believe that. And they were men who were meant to be in my life at the time that they were meant to be in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, one small example, the reason I live in Atlanta that I was even introduced to Georgia to begin with was because of my relationship with Declan, Mm -hmm. who lives in Georgia. 
and I would have never known anything about Georgia had it not been for him. And now I love living here. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah. definitely believe that. Mentally. And they all they all play a significant role. I think all these loves of our lives play a significant role to hopefully make us a better human being mm-hmm. and make us more well-rounded and more self-aware. I mean, I could list off easily so many different things I learned from my relationships with Nay, with Rio, and with, with Declan. Every relationship, you learn something and you get further along and, you know, you're, we're here for our souls to evolve. You, you evolve with each one. And, and I look back and I'm like, that wasn't even me. Like, I'm such a different person. <laughs> right. It's like it happened to someone else. So funny you say that because I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking about if I were to talk to certain people from my past, they wouldn't even recognize me anymore yeah. because I've gone through so many different things that has forced me to evaluate, to change, to grow up in many ways that, yeah, you do feel like a, a different human being. It's incredible. So you also go into depression, suicide with great honesty. And I think it'll be comforting to a lot of people who also experience that. So they should definitely read this memoir. I wish we could talk for hours. Unfortunately, podcasts are just too short sometimes. But I wanted to end on an essay that made me laugh so hard. The story itself isn't funny, but one element is with Lumi and the Miami-Dade animal control. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I know what part you're talking about. So basically, so Lumi is my dog. He uh, He turns nine next month. So he's the love of my life. He's actually sitting right next to me as we're Aww. having this conversation. And Lumi is a toy Shih Tzu, uh, had him for nine years. We've been through everything together. So the story in the book is about after I got Lumi, about a few months after I got Lumi, I got Lumi when he was two months old and he went missing one day. I, I went to work in the morning and I think that Lumi got out as I was leaving for work. I was distracted on the phone talking to insurance So when I came back home later that day, Lumi was nowhere to be found. And I was hysterical. I was freaking out. And then it turns out I then realized through a neighbor that Lumi had, in fact, gotten out. But by the grace of a good Samaritan, he had picked up Lumi and taken him to the animal control in Miami. And the the essay talks about my experience of then trying to get to that animal control because I saw online they had already put him up for adoption less than 24 hours after he's been missing. So I was really anxious to get to the animal control as soon as possible to get my baby back. Yeah, that's so scary. To come home and not see him anywhere is terrifying. But then that, thank God this for the security guard. And thank God that they like, thank God for websites now. We live in a world where like, now you can go yes. on. So you saw your little baby on there and they called him Marty. Marty, <laughs> they had already given him a name. He hadn't even been missing. Thank goodness I can laugh about this now. But yeah, he, they had given him the name Marty, and there was his picture online saying he was available for adoption. And I thought, the audacity, the nerve. I was furious. Like, how can yes. you do this? Yes. And they later said, you know, he was such a cute little dog and a purebred. 
So obviously they were going to try to get him adopted right away. Wow. But I did go to animal control to rescue him and be reunited. Thank God. And that's another story of like, thank God for this person was there at the right time. He wasn't out all night. Thank God for that. They gave him a funny name. (laughs) They gave him a funny name. And then when I was reunited with Lumi, he peed on me. (laughs) And I I think that's the part you're referring to, maybe. And all is well. (laughs) And all is well. So, yeah, when he he peed on me, it was like, oh, yeah, that's my baby. It was like (laughs) we were all happy. I didn't care. There was urine all over me and tears (laughs) coming down my face. And I didn't care. I just was yeah. happy to be reunited uh, with my baby. And yeah, and it is a good reminder. One of the messages I wanted to convey with that story is uh, the Good Samaritans that are around us. Because yeah. that Good Samaritan who told me about Lumi, had it been not for him, I would have never been reunited. And thankfully, uh, he said, no, yes, I, I found him on the street. He was almost getting hit by a car. And I didn't know whose dog he was, and I took him to animal control. And every year after that, up until I moved to Georgia, every year, every Christmas, I would meet with that good Samaritan and give him a gift. Because of him that I've been able to have another nine years with my dog. Yes. Thank God for good people. And they're plentiful. It's a friendly universe. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for being so honest and showing people how to get through and live a good life and and to and how to maintain a healthy perspective you're awesome no thank you Fern you always provide such a wonderful opportunity to just have a conversation and you know just providing me the space to expand a little bit on my story and you're always so supportive and I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Aww. Where can thank you. Um someday we're going to meet in person. I know it. Yes, we Absolutely. have to. We, really we have, have to make to. it happen. We will. Where can everyone find you? Sure. So my website is Ryan. So that's M-A-I-R-A-R-A-Y-A-N-N-E.com. I'm on Instagram as InspireRayan, or you can email me at MyraRayan at Yahoo.com. Perfect. And I'll put that all on the show notes. Thank you, Fern. It's been lovely. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. And I'm so glad to know you. Aw, right back. Thank you so much for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. I love hearing from you and I love hearing your stories of signs. And if you would like to hear more episodes of this show, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again and sweet dreams.